0: This week's episode, y'all, if you have a minute and you would like to support this podcast, it would be a huge help if you would hop on over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. What this does is it ranks my show higher so that it gets in front of more people who can benefit from it. So hop on over to Apple Podcast, leave me a review and tell me how you're liking the show so far. I super appreciate you and I hope that you enjoy this episode. Hello podcast fam. We are going to be talking today about financial self-care. So self-care in general is touted I think a lot right now. It's a buzzword. It's important. It's wonderful. It is life-changing. So there are other episodes about self-care. I talk about it a lot. I'm developing a course right now about self-care in general. So safe to say it is a huge thing that I deal with, I believe in, I, you need it. You need to consistently take care of yourself because if you are not, you are burning out, you are unhealthy, you are, it's just, it's bad news bears, basically. So one of the things that I think gets forgotten in terms of self-care is finances. Now, a lot of people will spend all day reading, well, not all day, but they will spend a lot of time reading personal development books, or they'll go to the gym, or they will hang out with their partner or their kids or their friends. And all of those things are wonderful, and they are necessary, and they are life-giving. But if you're not taking care of your finances either, then you are not truly practicing self-care. And that has a lot of anxiety for a lot of people. A lot of people, I mean, most Americans and probably worldwide carry debt. The American system is a little different because of the way that we structure health care and mortgages, things like that. So a lot of people carry enormous amounts of debt that they just... Don't want to admit that they have um, because it is scary. It can be very overwhelming and it can feel very threatening to admit that you are carrying so much debt. What happens if we ignore that, just like if we ignore anything else, is it grows and gets worse. So if you have debt, if you just want to be better at finances like this this episode is for you. So we're going to start with different types of accounts. I find that in talking about this, a lot of people don't know what different types of accounts are. So we will start very simply. Checking savings accounts. A checking account usually comes with a debit card and so that's what you use to make purchases. Let's say you get paid and your paycheck is deposited into a checking account you then have a debit card where you can buy things whatever you want as long as they accept cards you can use your debit card if you spend more money than you have what happens is you will overdraft your account meaning you spend 50 but you only have $30 in your account what typically happens and what the bank will do is it will it will hit you with an overdraft fee. Now I was a teller for a little while and I didn't really understand how expensive it was to be poor until I was a teller. So I I understand that that is a privileged thing to say. And that is the reality of many people's lives. If you If you do not grow up where you are financially insecure, then you really don't understand what it's like to constantly be hit with overdraft fees, to not be able to build your credit because you're always owing people money. So, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Back to overdraft fees. So, overdraft fees are a way that banks make an absurd, buku, and honestly, an insulting amount of money. Basically, they're just charging you to be. And it is, it is horrible. So banks like Bank of America, Wells Fargo, these are typically the worst offenders. And there's some things that you can do if you get hit with an overdraft fee. So some banks will allow you to link a savings account. That's where you put a portion of your money into this account to save. So that way, if you overspend in your checking account, you have what's called overdraft protection, and it will just transfer money to cover your purchase. So if you spend 50, but you only have 35 in your checking account, it will just take $15 from your savings to cover the money. If you don't have that, you can always call the bank and ask them to reverse the fee. I have done this myself. I call the number on the back of your debit card or Google the number of the bank and you call them and you say, Hey, I didn't realize that I, overdrafted my account, it's the first time I've done it, or it's the second time I've done it, would you please waive the fee? And they may give you some pushback. They may say, no, blah, 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 blah. keep pushing. Please waive the fee. I'm working very hard on my finances. I've been a customer for X amount of time. Typically, they will do it or at least reduce the fee. So I've gotten them to waive fees completely. And when they wouldn't do that, because they could, they won't, I've gotten them to basically reduce the fee by half. So any amount that they reduce it helps you. So if you get an overdraft, call your bank. They are humans, talk to them. So we've covered checking account. That's where you put money that you make so that you can use it. A savings account is where you put money that you want to save. Now, many people are struggling financially and so they struggle to even have a savings account. One, that is a reality a lot of people face. And two, you probably have more opportunities to save money than you think you do. And that takes a really honest look at your spending. What bullshit are you spending money on? Do you go shopping when you're bored? Are you an impulsive purchaser that you You don't really like those things. You just bought them in the moment because it was interesting or you were sad. So a savings account is a great thing to build up while being very honest about your spending habits. So even if you put away $5 a week, that's still $5 a week. And then when a tire blows or an emergency bill comes up, You may not be able to cover the whole thing, but you do have at least a little bit that doesn't hit you as hard because you've been saving money. Most people recommend about a year in your savings as an emergency fund. And I know that can seem very, very far away, but the best time to start is now. That's a huge part of financial and general self-care is doing what you can now to help yourself in the future. So if all you can do right now is $5 a week, then do the $5 a week. That's what you can do and that's a great place to start. If you can bump that up even higher, even better. Once you're kind of set on that, you can then have different types of savings accounts. So I have different accounts for holidays and birthdays so that I don't have to worry about stressing out over Christmas. Um, I actually know someone who gets a loan every Christmas to pay for presents, which is insane. They get a loan to buy Christmas presents because they can't afford them that they then pay interest on. Interest is what happens when you get a loan. You pay, let's say you um, borrow $100, you will owe them $110 or $120, depending on the interest rates. So they don't have the money in the first place. They let their guilt guide them into overspending. And then they overpay their original amount just to buy Christmas presents. That's insane, y'all. Don't spend money you don't have just to buy people presents they don't give a shit about. With that being said. You could instead, if you know, hey, Christmas is coming or Hanukkah's coming or Kwanzaa is coming or this birthday is coming because they come every year, you just save a little bit of money every month. So take that $5 that you put away every month into your savings account, add an extra $5 a month or $10 a month, whatever is affordable for you and reasonable, and then you have a chunk of money at the end of the month. So personally, I put in, I think, $40 into a Christmas account every month. And at the end of the year, I have almost $500 to spend on presents. And throughout the year, I have access to that money. Now, if I don't spend it all, it just recycles into the next year. Um, I have a vacation fund that I put $40 in every month. So these don't have to be big amounts. But when I want to go away for a weekend or... If I want to take a big trip, I have that money in the account so I can say, hey, self, here's the amount of money that you have. You need to be careful with your spending. So savings accounts, checking where you put your money, savings, obviously where you save your money, and you can have different types of savings accounts. An emergency fund is what happens if you lose your job, right? If you're listening to this, we are in the middle of a pandemic. Many, many, many people have lost their job or their work is insecure, or it has reduced hours. The people that have been saving are doing a lot better than the people who are struggling. Now, that being said, there are systemic barriers to being financially stable. Being poor is extremely expensive, which is why financial education is one of the ways that you get out of that race because it is never ending. If you can't afford to buy nice things, then those things that you can buy run out faster. And then you spend a lot more money in the long run. So financial education is one of the ways that you, you up level, not only your finances, but your entire life. So accounts, those are accounts for you. The next thing I want to talk about is credit. So many people really don't know what credit is. Now, I'm going to specifically talk about credit cards first, and then we will get into other factors of credit. What credit is, is when you borrow money and promise to pay it back. Credit cards, (coughs) when you apply for one, and I encourage you, If you do not have a credit card and you are over the age of 18 or you are 18, get one. Get one, get one, get one. If you have no credit, it is the same as having terrible credit. So credit cards, when you apply for one, let's say you get approved, there are two different types. One is a secured card and the other is an unsecured card. The way that a secured card works is they say, I will give you a line of credit, but you have to front them money. So let's say your credit line, that's how much you have available, is $300. You have to deposit $300, prove to them that you can handle that amount of money without going over, and then they will switch it to an unsecured line, meaning they just assume that when you promise to pay it back, you are going to do so. When you start having credit and using credit, you get what's called a credit score. Now, credit score, I swear, (laughs) I swear is just a bunch of gremlins in a box making it up because sometimes it makes no sense. There's a formula, but they never share it with anybody because they own their bullshit 100% of the time. So there are factors that make up a credit score. 35% of your score is your payment history. If you pay on time, that's all they care about. You don't have to pay the whole amount on time, but you do need to pay the minimum on time time. 30% is your credit utilization, and what they want you to do is only use 30% of your credit. Now, if you're paying attention, you can see how that really screws people who are poor. Because if you have the money to only use 30% of your credit, you're probably in a better place financially than if you have to use all of it. This is credit cards specifically. So let's say you have a $300 limit, meaning you can spend up to $300, They would like you to spend 30% of that, which is $100. So when you get your first credit card, most people, and I agree with this, recommend that you spend it on something trivial like gas. Like a bill that you know is under the amount that comes every month. Perhaps your electric bill is about $100 a month and you use it to pay that. 15% of your score is your credit length. The longer that you have credit, the better your credit score is because they wanna see that you have been responsible for a long time. 10% is your credit mix, meaning do you have credit cards, do you have an auto, a car loan, do you have um, store cards, things like that. Things that you need credit for, uh, being an adult in general getting a mortgage, getting a car loan. Um, once you have a little bit of a credit history, you become in in a loaner's eyes much more safe because you have a track record of paying things. Now, credit cards are a whole wormhole. So we'll talk a little more bit more about them and then we'll move on to how to be financially to take care of yourself. So they have things called a annual percentage rate, which is the amount of interest that you'll pay over the year, but really you'll pay it every month. So if you have a 20% interest rate for the year, you're really paying 20% every month as well. You can avoid paying interest if you pay your statement balance in full. Now, this is where things get a little confusing. Let's say you get a card and in January you spend $100 and In February, you spend $100. So your total balance is $200. When Mm -hmm. your statement balance is due, they will only bill you for January, which is $100. So some people say, oh, 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 I need to pay the whole balance. Not true. You just need to pay your statement balance, and they will always tell you what that amount is. If you pay your statement balance in full, which if you take my advice and the advice of others and use use your credit for little, little things, not a huge purchase, little things, then you don't pay interest. And we never want to pay interest because that's how credit card companies make money. And their main goal is to fuck you royally on the interest. So 20% is insane. We want to make sure they make no money off of us. Okay, so we have that part. working on what I want to do next. Now, if you're carrying a lot of credit debt or you're carrying a lot of debt in general, which is where I want to lead into, you probably need help. And what I mentioned in the beginning is that most Americans are carrying just an obscene amount of debt. And we're going to leave student loans for a little bit later. So if you're just carrying consumer debt, cars, things, credit cards, loans, whatever, There are many nonprofit organizations who will help you. They do a thing called debt counseling or credit counseling. They will help you make a plan to pay it off. Some really good people in this space are Dave Ramsey. Ramit Sethi is another good one in this space. And so they have a couple of methods. Dave Ramsey specifically has a method called the snowball method. Now, the first thing if you're carrying debt that you need to do is Figure out how much debt you're carrying. Stop running because you're uncomfortable and face it. If you don't know how much you owe, how are you going to pay it off? Okay, that makes no sense. So write down, figure out how much you owe. Be honest about how much you owe. Try not to beat yourself up. Many people really do not understand financial self-care. They do not understand credit and these companies will prey on that to put you in a crappy place so they make a lot of money off of you. This is your chance to take your power back. Write down how much you owe. If you're doing the snowball method, you list your debt, smallest amount to biggest amount, and you start paying the smallest amount, just attack, 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 kind of like like if a T-Rex got an animal. It just like uh, 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 attacks it while paying the minimum on all your other debts. Because again, 35% of your credit score is your payment history, meaning paying things on time. There is no penalty for paying only the minimum. There is a huge penalty for missing a payment. So you pay the minimum on everything except your smallest number your smallest debt, and you just you just attack the shit out of that one. Once that is paid off, you roll over whatever that payment was. Let's say you were doing an extra $100 a month on your baby payment, and you roll over that extra 100 into the next one, and so on and so forth. And so you're always attacking the smallest debt while paying the minimum on all of the others. Another way to do it is to attack the debt with the highest interest rate because that one over the long term is really going to be more expensive for you so list them from high, lowest interest oh sorry list them from highest interest rate to lowest interest rate and just murder the one with the highest interest rate and then you roll over that payment into the next into the next into the next again if this is overwhelming if you need help, because this is, it can be more complicated than that. Credit counseling, debt counseling. There are many organizations out there who exist just to support you. One of the other ways you can practice financial self care, which I mentioned a second ago, is to be very honest with yourself without beating yourself up. What you owe, what you make, what you owe and start attacking it. The longer that you run from it, the worse it's going to get. I promise you. So start. Mm-hmm. Because this show focuses on not just the individual, because we, we all exist in a system, yeah. It's valuable to talk about the ways that the system screws you. So for example, credit card companies and credit companies want to make money off of you. They don't want you to be able to afford what you're buying using their credit because their interest rates are insane and they make billions, billions, with a B, of dollars off of people not understanding how credit works and getting in over their heads. So we want to screw the credit companies, take their money, and never pay them for it. Now that doesn't mean you don't pay your debt. It means you don't pay interest because you pay whatever you owe on the statement balance in full. This can be done by automating your finances. So when I mentioned earlier that I have a couple different savings accounts, I send those automatically, out of sight, out of mind. They just grow and when I need them, I check them. I do the same thing with my investment. So if you are working a job, you need a 401k or a Roth IRA. Again, that is a rabbit hole to go down. Just know that you need a retirement account. Even $50 a month will grow exponentially, meaning it'll grow and grow and grow and grow over your lifetime. It is never too late to start. Call your bank. See what their rates are. You have the internet at your fingertips. Google best 401k, best rough IRA. There are many people who explain it a lot better than I do. Just know that they're out there and you need them. Something I think a lot of people don't talk a lot about in terms of being financially successful that I definitely want to mention is choosing a partner is not going to screw your finances. If you are in a relationship with someone who has no idea how to manage money, who lives paycheck to paycheck, who carries a ton of debt, who shops when they're sad and doesn't know how to deal with their emotions, um, someone who just overall is bad with money, you are going to become that. Like, let me be very clear on that point. If you are in a relationship with someone who is bad with money and they don't want to learn how to be good with money, you will never, never be financially secure. Being financially literate, oh, can't speak literate, being good at finances is a skill that you learn. You cannot force someone to learn skills that they don't want to learn. And a lot of it comes from the way people were brought up. A lot of it comes from the stories that they heard about money growing up, which we're going to talk about in just a second. But if you hear nothing that I say today, which, you know, hopefully you hear everything because it's all brilliant. But if you hear nothing that I say today, the partner that you choose will help you financially or they will ruin you. You cannot. Pull somebody up if they are determined to stay down. Be very careful about the partner that you choose and really examine how they are about money. What do they tell themselves about money? What do they tell you about money? How do they spend? Do they save at all? If they don't, big red flag, friend, big fat red flag. Do they pay their debts or do they just say, eh, I don't care, it goes away in seven years. Those are huge red flags. Very carefully evaluate your partner. Mm-hmm. Ah, mindset around money. So, a lot of us are told stories about money, and examining what you've been told and your conditioning is a great way to practice self care in general. And is especially important when you think about money. So if you grew up being told that rich people only screw people and that's how they become rich and capitalism is bad and anyone who owns a business doesn't care about their employees or everyone who has money is stuck up. And you internalize those things because that's all you heard growing up you're never going to be good with money because you have emotional blocks around money. Now, imagine if you were told, there's always money. There's always money available. Um, Money is easy to come by. I always have the ability to make money. Money is an exchange of energy. If I have something people find valuable, they pay me money for it and that's okay. People who start businesses are dreamers. They do it to serve their community. You would have a very, very different mindset about money. Many, many people don't even talk about money. That's how That's how they grew up. It's, it's rude to speak about money. It's something I hear often. And especially, so I love money. Talk about it all the time. Will never apologize for loving money and the freedom that it affords you. There's nothing wrong with that unless you've been taught that there's something wrong with that. Oh, I don't I don't want to make a bunch of money because anyone who makes money is an asshole. Well, you just pretty much shut yourself off for making money because now you don't want to be an asshole. So you will avoid making money. So questioning your mindset and your stories about money is a really good way to get insight into how you were brought up hearing about money. So one of the ways to practice financial self-care is to change your story about money if your story is holding you back. People who ask for a raise are selfish. Yeah, I can see why that means you're never going to ask for a raise. Um, versus if you say the more income you have, the bigger impact you can make. So a uh, $100,000 goes a lot farther than hundred dollars So I think you guys are catching up, not catching up. I think you guys are picking up what I'm putting down for that one. So, so far we have covered what types of accounts you need, right? Like you need a bank account. It is very expensive not to have a bank account. So a checking account, a savings account, an investment account, what credit is, how to use it, how to screw the credit card so that you never pay them a dime. Choosing the right partner, how important it is to choose the right partner, paying off debt, which means being very honest about your debt, automating your finances, helps a lot with savings or paying things off, facing your money, how much do you make, how much do you spend, how much do you owe, tackle it, running is not serving you and your mindset about money. So the last thing I want to talk about is having boundaries around money. So some of the kindest people I know have incredibly poor boundaries, meaning they never think of themselves first. If you never think of yourself first, how do you save money? How do you teach people that... You're important too. One of the things I run into with people who are extremely kind or were taught not to have boundaries is that they always, not always, they very often struggle to have enough money for themselves because they're always helping other people. Now, at the core, their kindness is a wonderful, wonderful trait. Being kind is something that is so needed in this world And it's extremely powerful. That is truly the root of who humans are, is to be kind. If you are so kind that you screw yourself or you make it harder for yourself, you also make it harder to help other people. So if you're constantly giving money to every Tom, Dick, and Harry who asks for it, eventually you're going to be left with nothing. And then you struggle because you aren't able to say no or not right now or I can't because I have a bill coming up, or I'm just not in a good financial place, I'm trying to pay off debt, and so I really don't have the money to give to you. So setting boundaries around your money, how you spend it, how much you save, what you will spend money on is extremely important. So probably if you hear nothing I say today, Twice. <laughs> you need to choose a good partner and you need to set boundaries around your money. Being able to say, I'm sorry, I don't have it right now. I'm prioritizing paying off debt or I'm prioritizing saving for a car. Um, will save you a bunch of money, like so much money, because once you start giving people money, who are they always going to come to? Well, they're going to come to you because you're giving them money. So some phrases for you to set boundaries around money are, you know, I I really wish I could help. I just don't have it right now. I'm so sorry. Explaining what you're saving for. I'm saving to pay off debt. I'm paying off my student loans. I'm trying to buy a car. So I, I just don't have it. I'm sorry. Those two can help you. You can also just say, no, I don't have it. So, all of those things that we talked about what type of savings accounts, what credit is, facing your money, paying off debt, choosing a partner. Oh, if you can start somewhere, right? Start wherever you want. You are the captain of this ship. This is your adventure. And so, start wherever you like, but start somewhere so that you start showing yourself that you're important, you're worth taking care of, and it will decrease your stress so much because financial stress doesn't go away. You're not suddenly gonna win the lottery, probably. Your chances are very low. So sort of that, you have to be the person to take care of yourself. No one is coming to take care of it for you. You have to do it. If you have questions, Hit me up on Instagram if you are listening to this podcast, which you are because you're listening to it. Take a screenshot, share it on Instagram at Amanda underscore chills, C-H-I-L-S. I I love to know. I don't know if you guys can hear my dog snoring in the background right now. Trying to record, bud. Um, Take a screenshot, share it on Instagram, tag me. I love to see where people are from. If you enjoyed it, like tell me what you enjoyed. Tell me if you think I'm bonkers. Um, just share your opinion with me in general. And if you wouldn't mind, something that helps me out a lot, share it with a friend and leave a review on Apple Podcast. So that would help me out a ton. It would get this podcast in front of more, I was going to say eyes, but <laughs> more ears. Um, so we can help more people and we can really up level everybody's financial education. Yeah, that's all I've got, y'all. So take something from this, start somewhere, do the best that you can, and then the best that you can do will get better and better over time. So if you are just listening and hanging out, I'm super proud of you for even diving into financial education. It can feel very overwhelming, And I'm proud of you. So just go do the best that you can. We'll see you guys next week.